Hey guys, you are listening to the Dirty Sheets, the original Dirty Sheets, because it's the only free show that we still do. We said that you would always get free content with us. We have put some stuff behind a paywall. We are doing some subscriber shows, but you lose absolutely nothing because that is all bonus content. I'm doing Raw, Cab's doing his weekly update. I'm also doing SmackDown. And um, we are also doing a bonus show every week. It begins this week with Wrestling List. The first one's going to be free on YouTube. After that, it's all going to be subscriber only. So you're going to get Wrestling Lists every four weeks. You're going to get Superstar Profile every four weeks. And you're going to get two Wrestling Informers a month. But the Dirty Sheets will remain free. But it will be cab-free for 16 weeks. So I'm trying to get people that can replace Cav on a weekly basis. And I think... Based on previous responses to the shows, we started with a big upgrade on Cav. And uh, the only person that would be a significant upgrade on Cav would be Mr. Brad Shepard. Well, Billy, those are big shoes to fill. Uh, I definitely am a fan of Cav and everything he does. But I'll try to do my best. We're going to run it back. It's Brad and Billy on the dirty sheets, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so this is going to be the, a, a very quick and digestible show, as the Dirty Sheets is. We're not going to go past that 30, 35-minute mark that, that me and Cav have been doing here on Fridays. But um, we may leave some stuff open-ended, in which case, because, you know, we, we I don't think we've ever had a podcast that's not open-ended, because wrestling is open-ended. It doesn't have right. season finales. Um, so if there's anything to continue talking about... Um, we can um, we can jump back over on Brad's show, and I can pop up over there, and we can continue the conversation. What's the what's the podcast called again now? Because I know it had some name changes from uh, the past. Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, primarily just check me out for my podcast, uh, for Patreon, for everything that I do at its B Shep on X, aka Twitter, B E S H E P. What's the, what's the name of the show, though, now? I, I, what's the podcast called now? Yeah, um, the name of the podcast. It's a great question. It's kind of important. Allow me to apologize. And the irony, of course, is, you know, I don't do that. But, yeah, allow me to apologize. And, again, find all of that information at It's B Shep on X, uh, a.k.a. Twitter. Whatever you want to call it now, that's where you can uh, check all my work out. Is that your one show? Is that your one show a week? You don't you don't do you 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 use that show to do whether it be pay per views, AEW, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, all all you get it all in on that one show. Yeah, I mean, so here's my issue with wrestling content, Billy. It's just not always that exciting. No, you know, if I were to do a SmackDown specific, a Raw specific show every week. I, you know, for me that would be difficult because, you know, it's long, it's often boring, or you know, when in comparison to other TV shows in prime time. So that's the struggle I have with wrestling is it's just overall not very good in my opinion. I mean, certainly WWE is the leader. They're much better than the others, for example, in AEW. But 
you know, there's there's aspects of that from a week to week TV standpoint that aren't just very exciting. Often it's it's a lot of focus on you know the fake matches and you know they're back and forth 50 50 15 minutes through multiple commercial breaks and you know that just really kind of breaks my tension i can only take so much of that uh so that's where i kind of find myself right now but yeah um i'm looking for wrestling to be great again just like i'm looking for uh donald trump to be great again and i'm hoping that's going to happen in 2024 with both yeah, that's that's the thing with with the uh, with wrestling. I know you you have issues with ever with, with you have issues with aligning with with Russo in terms of ever being able to produce content because of that um, bald never was who obviously would would frown upon it if you were ever to get on a show with with Russo. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I think it would be good because your minds are aligned and that's all worked with me and Vince as well. And when he further went on to explain on various podcasts over the last few weeks, because obviously he was on Dark Side of the Ring and these podcasters who hammer him behind his back suddenly wanted him on as a guest. And he re-explained his philosophies, which people are say, which people say are dated. Well, they're not. They're actually more relevant than they've ever been. When he said everything he did was matches five to eight minutes didn't want a match going over eight minutes didn't want to give people a chance to change the channel because he obviously had wcw on at the time and then if you go from a match you'd go to a backstage segment or you'd go to a a, a woman in a in, in a bra or or somebody was attacked backstage and they'd leave like a question mark over what was going to happen later on in the show they'd have like running story through there then they go back on five to eight minute match maximum and he was booking that car crash tv and the irony is, is that these idiots turn around and say that, oh, that's old now, like we like to watch the matches. Well, we are in an era of um, ADHD kind of entertainment, because if the screen in front of you isn't good, you now have about 200 more channels than you had in 1998. That's the first thing. Second of all, you don't even have the, not only do you not have the channels, not only do you have the more channels, sorry, on your actual television, but then you have the little fucking channel on in front of you called your phone or your iPad or your laptop, which has other things to watch like YouTube, um, TikTok videos, whatever, games to play. Instead, you can be distracted by games. So the attention deficit is now... 20, 22 million times bigger than it was mm. in, in 1998. So Russo's television, which worked then, was well ahead of its time because now would be the time where that's what you would need more than ever because I would struggle to find anybody with a life and anybody who values their time that isn't maybe getting shit done whilst Raw's on or, or AEW or SmackDown or isn't playing games or, or isn't watching two things at once. It's, it's, it's very unlikely. I, I don't find myself concentrating 100% ever, even, even though I have to now review those shows. And it wasn't until I made this commitment to once again review the shows that I actually see how bad some of them were. Because the thing is, is that we try hard and we tr- I think we try too hard, actually, to have the balanced opinion. And when I say balanced, it's trying to have a show which is 
uh, an equal amount of pros and cons. Do, do you get what I mean? Yeah. Uh, whereas you you see these shows that oh everything's good. This match was good. This match was good. Uh, so and so hit the finish at um, seventeen minutes and fifty two seconds. Those kind of shitty shows. Then you have the shows that hate everything, right? So we try not to hate everything. We try not to over over love everything. We don't chuck out five stars for everything. So we try and make it as balanced as possible. But that's easier to do when you were doing the weekly overview. When you do specific shows, I found it so difficult to say this was a good Raw and this was a good SmackDown. So that, that's been the real thing. And I've been saying to my listeners throughout, the, throughout the, the, the month that we've been doing this, look, I really am trying not to hate the show. Like, hopefully we get a SmackDown that's been good, that's good. Or hopefully we get a Raw that's good. Or at least, at least a 7 out of 10. Um, I do think we got that last night, which we can which we can talk about in a second. But, yeah, that's been the real issue. Like, I, as I've been um, dissecting the shows individually, it's been really difficult to find any show that, that surpassed surpass 7 out of 10. Yeah, for sure. And... We're in an era of Netflix and all of these streaming services, and you can binge watch. So if Monday Night Raw, for example, is not good, and there's three hours of it every week, well, you could watch three hours of a season of a TV show on Netflix. You can binge watch. There are so many options outside of Raw. And now we're talking about Monday Night Football returning. You know, and obviously, especially in the United States, it's the biggest sport. It is followed by a massive audience here. So, you know, there's a lot of options and you're competing against everybody. Your competition is not just AEW or New Japan or Ring of Honor or Impact. Your competition is every other TV show, in particular in your time slot on Monday night when we're talking about Raw. You know, so that's how you have to compare it. Is this a good TV show? Well, you know, when you've got a, a primetime TV show that's good that maybe you like and you've got Raw that's three hours, you've got a choice to make. And so when you're writing the show on Monday nights, you've got to realize you're up against all these other TV shows on primetime uh, on at the same time you are. And that's how I try to look at things. And I think people trapped in the wrestling bubble look at, was this a good wrestling show? You know, was you know, and, and they're totally missing the point in, in the larger audience. That's not what it's about, you know, and the mindset is all wrong. For example, you've got Seth Rollins on social media saying that Ricochet deserves a world heavyweight championship match. Where in WWE TV have you gotten the idea that Ricochet, this wrestling character, would deserve a title shot based on anything he's done. No, Seth, what he's saying is this guy puts on, in his opinion, good indie style fake matches. So he'd like to work with him. So the mindset is all wrong internally. And uh, they have a lot to improve if they want the show to be really good, in my opinion. Yeah, he, yeah the, the facts are completely uh, different to what Seth Rollins would believe because he lives with a woman who doesn't come on that, that, that doesn't land on that side of the fence who went on to nxt this tuesday and worked with another woman who is promoted as a very very hot mean girl 
who can actually wrestle. Obviously, they they do what they can in this PG era to show that she's hot. She comes out there, you know, with um, with as much with as little clothing as they could possibly get away with. We know mm. what Tiffany Stratton is about. She just happens to be able to actually do the wrestling side. I don't think she needs to take as many risks as she does. She's going to shorten her career. And if there's one thing I would probably say to her is fuck these, fuck these losers. Like you don't need to actually um, cater to them because they are the ones watch not only your show, but watch AEW and maybe even shitty rampage. So don't bother breaking your neck, just be hot and just be competent because I think Becky is, is, is that she's a very good talker. She's um, attractive and she's a safe worker. She, she, is always um, to me uh, not quite not quite taking the bumps and things as hard as uh, some of the girls do because I think she's mm. looking ahead to a career ahead, which is completely different to Seth. And then what's the end result? Becky outdraws Seth considerably when she went on to NXT. Seth, she did, um, I think, an extra quarter of a million people than he did and, and broke the million barrier for NXT for her appearance. So the evidence of him being completely wrong is lying in a fucking bed next to him to say, you don't need to do wrestling like that. You need to be a superstar. You need to look like a superstar. You need to talk like a superstar. You need to have superstar storylines and you need to have a good dance partner. In this case, men wanted to watch two hot girls who weren't terrible clunky wrestlers. Look, you don't, you don't have to take it back to, People know that Tori Wilson and Stacey Kleber didn't have good wrestling matches. So that what if you put if you went back to that, you'd have these um, well, this half of the audience who have never used their dicks complaining about that because obviously <laughs> they gave up on dick usage uh, when it was, you know when they got into their twenties because they hadn't used them and they realized they never would. So if you go back to Stacey and Tori, you're going to have a problem. But this is the balance. The balance is what we saw on Tuesday and. It's always going to do better than Seth and Ricochet recreating their, their indie matches, if, even if they've had any. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Yeah, Triffany, uh, Tiffany Stratton, uh, I think, is one of their stars of the future. And uh, having her come and, and work with Becky, I think, made sense. Uh, it worked. And, um, you know, I think she's bound for the main roster eventually in... She'll be in a good position. So I like that. Uh, we see the viewership in NXT is certainly going up. It's now in the ballpark of AEW Dynamite. Uh, so obviously, as we look at rights fees and what WWE is going to do, their viewership in NXT is actually going up. You see Dynamite is stagnant or going down. Uh, so certainly you can understand from a business perspective that makes sense. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, AEW here, Billy. Uh, as mm-hmm. we mentioned, the ratings on Dynamite. There was a lot of buildup, a lot of momentum, uh, uh, even if it was only brought about by the IWC. <laughs> For this show in Wembley, all in. Uh, we remember, uh, according to Tony, approximately 90,000 people were in Wembley Stadium including everybody. That's what he said. I mean, those were his words. So I want to talk about the AEW attendance. And I think it's an important point here because we found out really 
about 72,000 people were at Wembley Stadium, and that includes everybody. So he was about 18,000 people off. He said he could verify it. My question to you is, I believe you were there, but why is Tony Khan lying? And what were your thoughts about the show? Um, one other thing I want to add to that, because my list is nowhere to be the case. I have stuck my neck out for three or four months now and said, this isn't coming from wrestling sources. This is a stadium, one of the, well, not one of the, the only stadium actually in the entire world where I have an inside line to the stadium via family run businesses, three of them. My family started building businesses on that road, which is um, two, geez, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even want to estimate, maybe maybe four to 600 yards away from the stadium, right? So um, we, we, we built, our, we took our first business there, which was the Ugly, Ugly Duckling Restaurant in 1987. And um, then obviously that later on that restaurant um, was when the stadium closed, we closed the restaurant to change it to a bar. Um, and then my uncle began um, Blue Check franchise uh, and also bought a sports bar as well. So over time, we've managed to have three bars. We, we realized that restaurants didn't, don't work there anymore because um, it's, it's not an affluent area. It's not as affluent as it used to be. Um, Wembley used to be an area where people used to want to live, um, you know, like people with, with, with money. Now it's just simply has an increased footfall for the for the stadium, so that that's primarily where you'll make most of your money through the increase of stadium and arena events. Because there's also an arena there as well, so you don't need loads and loads and loads of customers and whatnot during the week. You just you just need um, to have um, a, the stadium do a regular number of events, maybe like two a month. So that that that's enough because um, on on certain days you can make twelve to fifteen grand in one day, uh, and a lot of that will be in cash. But that will be what is known as category A events, which this was not. And I told people throughout, this is not a fucking wrestling story. This is not the oh I spoke to this guy at AEW or I spoke to this guy at WWE. No, I was giving these fucking idiots legal and but legally binding information health and safety regulated information now and i was mentioning the people who broke the story this week brent council which is where wembley's based i think privately i mentioned to you and steve carrier brent council right mm -hmm. i think i mentioned the name brent council to you and said yeah. look brent council are uh, Brent, through Brent Council. Brent Council have set up something called the Wembley Traders Association. So what that means is once a month, whether you run Wembley Stadium or Wembley Arena or whether you run my dad's little bar or my uncle's bars or whatever, whether you whatever you run, you all sit down with Brent Council as part of the Wembley Traders Association and you have your monthly meeting. And that goes for the guy... The, who owns McDonald's and the guys that owns the bar to the guy that runs Wembley Stadium. You all sit down. You're all part of the Wembley Traders Association. You all answer to Brain Council, right? So whenever there is an event in there, everybody through the WhatsApp group chat is told what category the event is. Now, category A is basically the top event. 
Now, it, it means that it is a sellout, but not only is it a sellout, it has the additional, uh, the additional issue of being a hostile event. This is two opposing teams are going to play a game of soccer in the stadium. And that means that bars need to have the maximum number of security and they must also separate the teams. Therefore, the, um, the, the bars that are down Wembley Way, which is on the way to Wembley, will house only one football team. And the teams and the, the bars that are on the right-hand side of the train station, they will house the other team. And you must employ security to ensure that you do not allow mixed supporters into these bars. That is category A, Brad. So it's a combination of a sellout with um, with strict security, not allowing these supporters to mix, which would lead to violence. That is category A. It is the most security, the most secure event. Category B is actually still a sellout. It's any event over 70,000. This would be Taylor Swift, Harry Styles, NFL games, things of that nature. They're sold out. You, you can expect to be very, very busy but you don't need to have four security guards. So, by the way, every time you employ security guards, a minimum of four, uh, one needs to be a woman to deal with the, the women. So on a, on a Category B event, you need one male and one female security guard. And then it's up to you how many bar staff you have. They've told you you're going to be fucking busy. So if you open with two staff, and you're overrun by people in your bar, that's your problem because they legally told you um, how busy you were going to be. This AEW event was a Category C event. It was the lowest level that you can be at Wembley Stadium. It was under 60,000. At no point, at no point did any bar from Brent Council or the Wembley Traders Association receive any message that this event was anywhere near 60,000 ticket sales. In fact, they were told that if they wanted tickets, that Brent Council and the Wembley Traders Association had been given 25,000 comps. I got my two comps from my dad, but they were all 500 sections. So they were not as good as the soccer tickets that we get. The reason being is that the building is owned by Wembley Stadium was paid for by the Football Association. The Football Association are the people who run the football tournaments there, the FA Cup, the League Cup, and play the England games there. So um, they directly give you the better tickets. The way this worked is that if there's a concert in there or an event like AW, they pass the tickets on to the... Um, to the FA and the FA put them hand them down to Brent Council and the Wembley Traders Association. So AEW gave them 25,000 tickets that they were not selling and they were never going to sell. So almost the entire 500 section was comped, which is why we never really saw it go on sale. In addition to that, from the photos that you can see at the stadium, they had zero intention of selling 20,000 tickets in the 100 section. They deliberately topped off a, sec a, a section where, um, let's say for you American listeners, the end zone section, where the end zone would be, which is obviously shorter. So where the end zone is on an NFL pitch, it's, it's the shorter side of the other pitch, of the other side, yeah. right? There's long side yeah. and short side. So instead of making your aisle 
where the entrance is on the short side. So let's say where the where the end zone would be, where you would kick the field goal through and you would have the entrance there instead. And you would allow yourself to sell as many tickets as possible and maybe set up a little small hand hard cam section, which would probably take up one section of the of the arena. What they did instead is they built their entrance on the massive long side section and they used an entire section where the end zone would be to set up their camera. They used an entire section for their camera and they used the long side for their aisle. That told me that they wanted to keep all of that off camera because they knew they couldn't sell it. And when people said, oh, why didn't you try and sell a section? They would, they would have just turned around and said, well, one section was the aisle and one section was the camera. <laughs> but why did you need to lose 10,000 seats to put one camera up? And why did you need to lose 15,000 seats to build an entrance? Like, that doesn't make any fucking yeah. sense unless... You wanted to you wanted to make excuses for why you didn't sell out of the building. So had they had they had that layout right, had they wish they did have that layout. So with the layout that they had, they were always 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 set up to only sell um, seventy thousand seats. So that was um, ninety four thousand. When that building has no tops, it's ninety four thousand, ninety thousand seats, and four thousand on the floor. It's happened recently for Tyson Fury and Dillian White. Yeah. So Tony Tony decided that he wasn't going to sell um, 24,000 tickets. So 70,000 was the absolute maximum they could have actually had. So all along, every all along, it was a big, big fat lie. So, um, yeah, so in, 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 the final, in the final two weeks, you decide to hand out 25,000 comps to the Football Association. And in the final week, you decide to reduce tickets to one-tenth of the price to the point where I actually purchased a ticket solely as a trophy, solely as a trophy, so that I could be proven right for things that I had said for four months where people had told me I was a liar. And again, I go back to my point, you morons. This, And I'm, I'm saying this to my own listeners who are not morons, but I know that you have those hate listeners as well so this is to this is to them this was never ever a wrestling story this was a factual this was a this was a factual statement made based on securities and the way that every event there is run this was a category c event there was no legal message sent to any of the bars that this had ever got near sixty thousand. it did not move it did not change and the number that they gave out the Embarrassing number that they gave out this week of 72,000. Let me just before I, before Brad speaks, explain to you what that means. 72,000 means 72,000. It's the same as when, so let's say, for example, um, 9 11 happened at the AEW event, which wouldn't have been a big loss. But let's let's say that that did happen <laughs> on the day for, for AEW. Um, they would have needed to know how many bodies were inside and how many bodies had got out so that was an exact figure of how many pulses were actually in that fucking building like so that that was it and that would include uh, being conservative around about six to eight thousand staff members 
right, who run, who do various different things in a building, vendors, hospitality, program sellers, security, policing, um, tip, um, people, people who work on the, on the, on the tickets, uh, the ticket stalls. Um, and, and people are turning around and saying, oh, it's, 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 it's people that pay through the turnstiles. No, it isn't, you fucking mongs, because comp tickets go through the same turnstiles. They just don't have a price on them. It's the same tickets. Comp tickets go to your phone. Comp tickets are paper tickets. They all run through the turnstiles. If you want to make an argument and say, Tony Khan didn't go through the turnstiles, yeah, he did. When he went into the building, he was counted as an active pulse who was inside the building. 72,000 was it. And when you factor in the fact that 25,000 seats were comps, when you factor in the fact that probably approximately 10,000 were sold at one tenth of the price, and then when you look at six to 8,000 staff, you get a lot, lot closer to around about 40,000 ticket sales, of which 30,000 ticket sales were the hardcore AW fans who bought it during a pre-sale. So when these tickets went on sale after the pre-sale, because they were your hardcore fans who bought the first 30,000 tickets, mm. they only sold 10,000 more tickets at full price over the next three months. So <laughs> you can argue with it all you want. Uh, I'll always stand behind everything that I said. I, I'll stand behind the fact that I was right. And I'll stand behind the fact that this was a Category C event and no text message was sent out to anybody ever stating anything different that we needed to have more security, that we needed to have more bar staff, that we needed to expect to be busy. And to hammer the point home, not only did my dad and uncle serve food, which you would never do on a busy day, you would just say, no food today, just bath, just, just drinks. They served a Sunday roast. Now, I know, I know you don't have Sunday roast in, in, in America, but I'm, maybe you know what it is. It's basically on Sunday, Brits either have um, chicken or turkey, or roast beef with potatoes and Yorkshire pudding, and it's just a big, it's just meat and meat and veg, basically. A big meal. A bit, yeah. But your Thanksgiving meal, like we yeah. would have it on Sundays, right? So, yeah. so people like to come out and they like to go to bars and pubs, and families like to come out and get their Sunday roast. It's a pain in the ass if you were trying to do it, and you and you had a full bar. Nobody stopped their Sunday roast. Nobody cancelled breakfast. All of the bars did breakfast and roast and ran completely normally on that Sunday. So, yeah, I'll, I'll let you digest that and talk uh, for, for a while because um, I, I think it's important that we give the facts out again because, because they've, they, they, they're, they're consistent. They are the facts. Yeah. The facts haven't lost any of their consistency over, over time with me yeah. anyway. Well, there's so there's a couple of things, Billy, that stand out to me that I want to dive into here uh, about All In in particular. So you just laid out the facts. And for me, you know, I'm wondering, does Tony Khan, when he announces 90,000 people plus were there, you know, that 80 something thousand paid attendance in attendance? You know, it, does he know about the Wembley's? trader association that this was a category c event you know does he know in the process of planning this show those sort of nuances and i would think so he owns fulham fc right uh, so he should have some familiarity with the uk and, and the different things that 
that go well, on the there layout, that are different the layout, from America. The layout was dictated. He wasn't forced to have that layout. He dictated the layout. His 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 company dictated the layout of the of the. They all they did is they hired a building. They're the ones that laid it out. They're the ones that configured it for seventy thousand. They're the ones that gave the the gen the the general right. estimate and then never and never gave the information to um, Wembley to change. Right. So, so my my point there is. He knowingly provided false information about the attendance. He right. set it up for one thing and then said another and said he could verify this fake attendance number. Is that fair to say? Not only is it fair to say, not only is that accurate, but one of the biggest giveaways throughout this was AEW purchased advertising to, um, to air during Monday Night Raw. On every single advert, they had to turn around and say 60,000 tickets sold. Now, that in itself was a lie as well, but they were peddling the opposite, not the opposite lie, a different lie on television and through Dave Meltzer, on their television through Dave Meltzer, where they were saying it was close to 80,000. Yet the TV advert said 60,000. This is mm. due to the fact that you cannot advertise anything on UK television without running through trading standards. So you cannot say that, for example, you cannot say that um, a product will grow you hair or will give you, um, will, 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 um, will make you younger or give you, make you amazing in bed um, without it having a shred of proof, without having any kind of scientific or legal evidence to it. So whatever they got past trading standards, they managed to convince them on those adverts that they were nearing or they had 60,000 people in attendance. Um, so, but they did not convince them that they were anywhere near the numbers that Dave was coming out. And that was, well, a, big, that was a big giveaway because well, yeah. every, every advert to the final week um, said 60,000. And the killer was, I mean, you had the wrestling media doing their part, shilling for AEW. He didn't need anybody else. He had Dave Meltzer and Sean Sapp and the others celebrating this world's largest wrestling ever attended event, whatever they were branding it as. I mean, it was totally laughable. It was obvious to anyone who saw the attendance that wasn't the case. But, you know, in the minds of many wrestling fans, that's what the media promoted. And let me just go back to your sentence. You said, you just said, like, you hit nail on the head. You said people that were, that were looking around and attended the event, which they did. So this wasn't at whilst we shouldn't give them any excuses. The one excuse you could have given them up until the day was, well, they're reporting what they're being told by Tony. Like they, they have a, they have a relationship with Tony. Uh, they shouldn't have that relationship with Tony because they don't have it with Vince and triple H. And it is a high level of bias, but they are, they are, they are, they are, they are, um, they are utilizing. Let's say, let's use the word utilizing. They're utilizing their relationship with Tony and they are being given um, information about the ticket sales until the day. Then these fucking idiots walked in the building and they saw how many seats were empty and how many tops they had up and how, um, and how weird the floor was set up in terms of the big gaps where you could have driven cars around it. And they still went onto social media and lied for this company. Sean Ross Sapp did it, and Meltzer did it. They still pretended that there were eighty-one thousand. There was eighty-one thousand people there. So 
all their excuses that they carried through and 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 lied about up until the day of the event, they doubled down on them and actually became active liars for Tony Khan. Because because I don't believe even Sean and Dave are stupid enough to be in that building and think that that was 81,000 people. Nobody could be. Nobody could. My, my child is 12 and knew it was a lie. He's 12 and knew it was a lie. He said, yeah. he, he said like, th th there's no way. He said, he said, how many people are supposed to be here? I said, they're saying it's like 80,000. He goes, oh, how can it be when we went to this football match and it was, and it was that and there's not that many, there's never that many seats here. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I know, they're liars. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's clear. But um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 we, we knew that we knew they were on board all along with, with the way, with the way that they mm -hmm. report. And, you know, they, I think this is the last, I don't know if nail in the coffin's the right way because they, they're just going to continue to do it. So, I mean, I mean, even, even now with the, with the grand slam event, it's, um, it's Steve Carrier who's reporting that story. Uh, and only Steve Carrier of Ringside News reporting that story about Grand Slam being half full. And, and, and it doesn't make sense to me. You're, you, lit, you, you are situated in that country. Your main television audience is in that country. You're in a huge wrestling market. Events rarely fail. UF, combat events, even. UFC, uh, UFC WWE, the, even AW, even uh, TNA. Sorry, when they went there, events do not fail in that in the in that in that area. Philly, Boston, New York, New Jersey. That's where you go when you need a sellout. So that is really fucking bad if you cannot sell tickets in, in, into that into in that market, which is a big wrestling market. Is that not true? Yeah, absolutely. So my other takeaway to your point is that look, you know, you can talk about how. Sure, they didn't have 90,000 or 80-something thousand, even though that goof-ass Will Ospreay got the tattoo. They still had a very well-attended wrestling show. And what did they get out of it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was an outlier for a, a starved wrestling audience that wanted to attend a, a show. And when they returned to the United States, they came crashing back down to reality. You know, their viewership is low... Their attendance is low. Let me just tell you how right you are before you... I just want to tell, like, tell you how right you are. You might not even know how right you are. Big Show, uh, or Paul White and Jeff Jarrett did appearances on a major radio network called Talk Sport, and they were keyed in on the on the, on the the label and introduced as ex-WWE superstars. <laughs> so, WWE... I, I, you can go and look it up. Um, so, WWE sold a load of these tickets using ex WWE people who were keyed in as ex WWE people. And the big and Paul White literally did an interview where he talked about Hulk Hogan, the rock and stone cold Steve Austin for 27 <laughs> of the 30 minutes of, of the interview. And you, and if you don't believe me again, these are all things that you can look up yourself. Well, you know, those are actual stars that were over. Yeah, and then you had Denise Salsa Centipede asking him about Wyndham Rotunda's death, you know, something that was a WWE or pro wrestling thing that wasn't part of the all-in show. Uh, what a what a goof-ass she is. Fucking talentless hack. I mean, you know, the, the show had no momentum. It, they came crashing back down to reality. Dynamite's at 800-something thousand. Collision and Rampage are a disaster. They don't have CM Punk. 
So now they have 300-something thousand viewers on Collision. These shows are dead on arrival. Instead of worrying about improving Dynamite, increasing your audience, they're just creating more shows, more content, with more people that aren't over. You know, but they're putting on really good fake matches, Billy. I don't know if you know that. So make sure you tune in to fucking Dynamite to see the Jungle Boy, who's a human charisma vacuum, take on an 18-year-old who looks like he couldn't beat up anybody in the audience. Yeah, while, while, the, while the owner sits there and tells you that it's the biggest wrestling company in the world, when one company, <laughs> when one company literally announces a billion-dollar, billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar merger uh, with, with, with UFC and pulls the fucking rock out on, just casually pulls the rock out on Friday, who's the high-grossing movie star of all time who came from the WWE, and he just pops up on their show this Friday and added with John, so it was bookended by Cena and The Rock, two homegrown stars from the company who have gone to Hollywood. But no, fuck that. AEW is bigger. They have the biggest wrestling show of all time when they don't even have the biggest wrestling show in that actual stadium. Um, and I think that really rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way where um, AEW self-edited Wikipedia immediately to wipe off SummerSlam 92. For me, that was a okay. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, it doesn't matter like that really because it's an event that was 30 years ago, 30, 31 years ago, but it does carry a sentimental value with people who, um, you know, will pretend that that card or event was better than it was. But we, we had Warrior and Savage on there in a match that was well built. And then we had like Bulldog and Brett on there. So you have four true stars of, of wrestling and a main event where the Brit left with the belt and you genuinely sold 80,000 tickets. Um, and they wiped it out immediately the next day on Wikipedia. So the history of the, the Wembley Stadium site says AEW is there. Now, this this is already a sore subject because um, we had a Wembley Stadium poster of 100 years of Wembley where they had to, where they decided, not had to, they decided to pretend that Michael Jackson was never in their stadium. And that Michael Jackson never sold the most tickets and pretend and had to pretend that it was a different act because Michael Jackson was accused of doing something which changed the fact that he sold a shitload of fucking tickets and changed the fact that he was even there twice and had five nights of sellouts for, for one for one tour and five straight nights of sellouts for another. But no, it never happened because we're woke in 2023. And in the 100 Years of Wembley poster, there was no visual of Michael Jackson. And then you had wrestling fans complaining, at, that saying that, where's Bret Hart and the British Bulldog? So Michael Jackson sold 98,000 a night for five nights in a row and did it again in 1993. And wrestling fans were saying, where's the Bulldog and Bret? That, that, that's, that's what wrestling fans are. But when you compare that to AEW fans, that's just a fucking, that's just a drop in the ocean. That is, that, that is a drop in the ocean. But it does tell you how much sentimental um, significance that that event has. So I, I, I think they really didn't win anybody over here. I don't, I'd be, they're coming back to do that event next year. They're going to struggle even more. They're going to struggle even more because people now realize it's not WWE 
and also the novelty of them coming over is gone. And a lot of people were bored. The people that weren't bored were just your hardcore fans. And, you know, as I said to you off the, off the air, that was the, what's the word I'm trying to use? Not the, not the ugliest or the worst. I don't think the worst quite, if I just say blanket, the worst audience, it doesn't really, it's not really descriptive enough to kind of hit the nail on the head for what I was seeing. But what you're, what I was seeing was a audience that lacked variety. Mm. Um, no, no kids. My kid was there, but there were very few other kids, no women, no young children. It was, it was simply a case of, you can almost, you could almost say, um, you could almost say that the, um, that 90% of the audience were bang, bang in, in, in that third, not even, not, and I'm not even going to say 18 to 45. I'm going to actually say 30 to 40, 30 to 40 single male category. So I'm so not girlfriends, married, nothing like that. Like um, 30 to 40 single males category. That That's exactly what it was. Um, one of the worst crowds I've ever seen in history. Yeah, they only use their penis to piss out of. If that, yeah. Yeah, if that. By the way, how do you like Swerve's push now that old Will Washington is in AEW assisting with creative? I want to get your, your take on that. And by the way, how much of, um, you know, Tony Khan's cock do you think uh, Will can fit in his mouth at one time? Well, what, what, what's he fucking doing there? I don't, I don't understand. Like, is he supposed to be there to assist creative? There's been nothing creative on the show since, since he's been there. But it's, it's, it's so funny to me that the thing that my, that my guys watch, and I'm, when I say my guys, like I have a little group of guys that, um, that I attend, attend shows with and get their take and, their, and get their take on the dirty sheets. And I invite them sometimes to pop on and whatnot. So, we have a group of people who, who go to shows together. We have a Dirty Sheets group chat. And I try and gauge, like, what the opinion is of normal guys. I'm right. talking, like, um, guys who like girls and have friends and go out and have, like, decent paying jobs. Like, I've created a little um, a little group chat with with people I want talk, to talk about wrestling with. Um, so... Um, we, within that group, we were we were talking. We talk about AEW, and we all across the board said one of the best things in wrestling is Christian. Well, what's Christian? A fucking ex WWE guy right. who's probably writing his own lines and is and is completely <laughs> um, off. He's completely not governed by Tony and Tony's booking and the creative minds of Tony and his um, new superstar acquisition, Will Washington. <laughs> no. So the best thing's nothing to do with the guy you put to banning ideas. If anything, you could probably imagine like Will's sitting there saying, oh, that's probably like a bit much or oh, like, oh, that's that's cold or, 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 or wouldn't have the or wouldn't have the balls to ever, ever even pitch the idea. I bet you nothing like that is is coming from Will's mouth. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what he's what he is what he is pitching. It's it's got and the thing is is that it wouldn't surprise me if it's stuff like, oh he oh him and so and so and so and so would have a great match and oh let's bring in like um, Kabushi or Abushi or or Ching Chong Ding Along or whoever or whoever that that's probably what he's doing. 
Yeah, that Ching Chong Ding Along. That's my favorite New Japan superstar. Yeah, I, th- I think it could only be stuff like, oh, oh, I think Take a Shit is really good, in my opinion. Like, I think we should do something with him. And Tony's like, oh, you know what? I fucking, like, Take a Shit too. Well, how about we give him a couple of wins over Kenny and, like, build him into style? Or, or, mm-hmm. oh, let's fucking, let's, let's give Wheeler Uta some wins so he looks like he belongs in the group. Like, it's just fucking trash. It's, yeah. it's honestly, like, I, I don't, I don't care about Brian, about Brian Danielson working with all his dream opponents this year. I don't care, but, but that's yeah. what I think Will Washington would be saying. If I was to have a guess as to what he's contributing towards the show, it would be stuff like who he, all the dream matches that Brian Danielson should have this year with, mm-hmm. with guys from around the world that nobody's heard of. Like, what, what would you, what would you surmise that he would be? pitching i would surmise that he's pitching exactly that the the general consensus of this hardcore niche iwc aew cult audience you know he's doubling down on the things that are losing them viewers that aren't allowing them to grow their audience uh because that's what tony khan wants the yes men the the people who are going to have agreeable opinions in the room the same sort of thing he likes you know the people that aren't telling him hey yeah, this shit's not very good, man. And here's why. And here's what you can do to make it better. He's obviously, he doesn't want to hear that. In fact, he recently said that, you know, he was no longer paying attention to social media opinions on his TV product. And I'm thinking, buddy, that's a mistake because, you know, plenty of that is your audience, you know, and, and that is the foundation you've set by catering to them. Now you're saying you don't care. So, you know, again, this is he's bleeding viewership year over year. His viewership goes down. He's not at the point of trying to grow his audience. He's at the point of trying to maintain the niche audience that he had from the beginning. And and that's a problem. And, you know, instead of fixing those structural things, he's doubling down on, you know, the hardcore niche and the fake matches back and forth you know 30 minutes you know the dream matches when i say dream matches i don't mean uh hulk versus rock here folks i mean some guy in fucking new japan yaga muchi jerka kaka you've never heard of versus brian danielson in a 30 minute fuck fest and you know eight hundred thousand people are gonna watch and care maybe and nobody else is and that's what he's doing and he hasn't learned anything and the thing is, is that and this, this is just we 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 picked on them a lot, um, but it goes for both companies as well because you know WWE is wrestling heavy as well. The difference is, is that it has, um, it has story arcs that have peaks, and the peaks keep you engaged because that's that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, within that, there is too much, non you know, there is too much wrestling I don't care about. Yeah, but it 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 does have it does have storylines with storyline arcs and and those have peaks. So particularly the bloodline, which has been WWE strength yeah. over the last, and also in terms of um, star building, star marketability, um, brand awareness, all all the things that they know what they're doing in order to be um, the company that they are, the company that the um, you know the trading company that yeah. they are so there's big there's big significant differences there in terms of presentation and and stature so that they are the they are the main differences but wwe are also guilty of 
um, doing too much old wrestling stuff and not coming into the new age. And the irony of that is, is that you have somebody like Logan Paul there and you're telling Logan Paul, who is a content creator from scratch, from his fucking house. He's a no, he wasn't, he was a nobody who became a multi, multi, multi millionaire based on his ideas for content and how to draw eyes to his channel and everything that he does. And even now, he's able to find a way to draw eyes to a sport. Uh, and I'm talking about boxing, not wrestling, which he doesn't do to a high level. He's not a good boxer and everybody wants to watch his next fight. So he knows what he's doing. But instead, it's a case of, hey, Logan, learn, learn, you need to learn the business and you know, this, this is what, you know, this is, this is how we talk and this is how you cut a promo and, and this is how you have a match, which is fine. He's done really fucking well. But the thing is, is that what I'd be doing is I'd be switching up the conversation and went, what do you think of wrestling, Logan? Like, what do you think when you see this? Other than the fact that, yeah, okay, the generic answer is, oh, they're really great athletes and I really respect what they do. Yeah, get away from that generic shit and giving us the nice answer. Like, would you watch this? personally as a content creator would you watch and it's not just logan's ear it's not just logan's ear there are people working on tiktok um there are people commissioning shows and creating shows um on netflix like we've had like crazy stuff over the years that like the Firefest documentary um tiger king you know these are brand new brand new shows that, that were pulled out of thin air these these documentary type shows and um, and, and television shows that we've that we've had um, on, on Amazon. We've had shows where uh, they follow a sport, they follow soccer teams. I think they, you know, pretty much nicked that idea from Hard Knocks. But you could do all of that. You could do a Hard Knocks type of sideshow of WWE. You could do it with, um, you know, um, hard, like the Hard Knocks Road to SummerSlam, Hard Knocks Road to WrestleMania. You could pick out a few people and follow their journey and, and show that there, there's there's so many things you can do my point mm-hmm. is is that my point is is that stop talking to it's not about bischoff and russo and Heyman and triple h and uh chris jericho and it, there's there's people out there who will bring wrestling up today um and will be able to find a new audience i was disappointed quite disappointed with um, listening to Freddie Prince Jr. speak because he's obviously been a, a wrestling fan for a long time. And his approach to wrestling was, um, other than the fact that he said one thing about um, trying to teach them the three steps to acting and how to integrate acting into their, you know, try to integrate acting into their promos in terms of how they learn how to hit their points whilst doing a monologue. He was trying to help them use that to improve their promos. But he did say they were, um, very much wrestling centric and it was difficult for him to teach them to become good actors um, now I was disappointed with that because Freddie Prince Jr. was on the right track and should have continued to go down that route but instead it seems like he is quite a Marky Mark type of person who likes to watch a lot of wrestling it seems to me yeah. that Freddie Prince Jr. is actually an AEW supporter so I, I think that was very much um a person who could have been great and turns out that he wasn't. But as I said, like there, there are, there are people out there. I would speak to Logan Paul. 
I would I would speak to David Arquette. I, I had bigger hopes for Freddie Prince Jr. There's got to be like incredible minds that are working behind the scenes at Netflix, uh, that are working behind the scenes at Amazon, Apple, all of these people. And um, they should be going out and getting them. Nick Khan now, who obviously has a lot of power, should be taking the, the next steps to say, OK, how do we make this absolutely massive? How do we get the audience that we've lost? And the audience that everyone's lost AEW included and WWE is 13 to 18 year olds. They, or 11 to 18 year olds, they're not watching. They are completely gone and they are completely interested in something else. I can tell you from personal experience, wrestling doesn't hit at that, those, that 11 to 18 year old. It, it doesn't resonate with them. My son will keep up with it through me and him bonding over it when he was younger. And he'll keep tabs on what's going on. Um, like tomorrow, we'll watch SmackDown and he'll see The Rock's back if he hasn't already seen it on socials. Um, so that 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 will be good tomorrow. That'll be something we'll do tomorrow. We'll catch up with SmackDown. Um, but it's more so a way for us to continue doing something that we've done. Uh, he would not have, without me being his dad, he would not start watching wrestling at 11, if you understand the point. Um, yeah. like, the, like his friends around him don't watch it is, is a good example of what I'm saying. So how do they get those people? They don't get them by, as great as people think he is, they don't get them by asking Paul Heyman what, what, the, next, um, ever, what the next evolution of wrestling is. It's, it's, it's not right. asking Paul Heyman. It's not even asking Eric Bischoff, who I love. It's certainly not fucking listening to shit shows like Disco and Conan. Like that, that's, not gonna, that's not going to do anything. It's it's stop asking these people. They don't know what they're doing. They they're not they they're too ingrained into this same old shit. Yeah. Like like it's it needs to change if it's going to grow. Yeah, you make an interesting point, Billy. I want to circle back to something you said about bringing in people from yesteryear. We saw The Rock appear on WWE SmackDown, and he was massively over. He had a segment with uh, Austin Theory. He returned. There's talk about Rock and Roman. You know, where does Cody fit in the picture? I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on all of that. Well, we're well over, so I will keep it quick. And maybe we can pick this up on your show. Like, maybe we can do something about um, where the next few pay-per-views sit. Because I think it's an intriguing subject. Because clearly... Um, there's been there's, there's been some changes already with with this whole TKO group because I know the Rock and Roman was locked in for Mania. I took a lot of shit from these from these people on the YouTube channel and whatnot when it didn't happen. When people said, "Oh, you're completely wrong" and all this kind of stuff, and Rock's actually said it himself this week, I wasn't. So there was some type of issue, quite clearly, with the Vince allegations and whatnot that were going on. Obviously, he's politely gone about it and said that we just couldn't nail down what we were going to do you mean you couldn't nail down how the xfl was going to be promoted on wwe television and whether and whether your sponsors thought it was a good idea to actually even mix the xfl with wwe whilst their owner was being accused of rape that was the real answer that the rock couldn't give as to why the match didn't happen but that was the real story so and and the rock also could have just done that match at new orleans when wwe wanted to do it but he was the one who said that it wasn't beneficial to the XFL. So all of these things was not what The Rock said, but ultimately it's led to the match not happening so far. But I think these new owners 
are going to manage to get it done. Like Rock already has a relationship with UFC and Dana White. They already used him to present the BMF title, if you recall. Uh, that was introduced by The Rock. Um, it was when Diaz lost to uh, Masvidal. And that was The Rock that introduced that title. So he already yeah. works with these with this company. And he already has a relationship with Nick Khan. So, um, and also now, um, what a lot of people don't know, because wrestling fans just give a shit about wrestling. Um, William Morris Endeavor is the same, is, is, is the agency who's owned by these owners as well. And they already represent Roman Reigns, Bianca Belair, and um, Becky Lynch, who are all signed to this, um, who are all signed to this agency. And their agent is the Rock's what is the Rock's wife, ex-wife. Yeah. Sorry. So there's so many um, crossovers here, and this is why you will see Becky and Bianca and Roman pushed forever. As long as they want to be there, those three are going to be huge. What confuses me is with Cody Rhodes potentially being the next John Cena in this company. Why? haven't been uh, William Morris Endeavour signed Cody Rhodes and his wife as well with the potential of putting him onto television shows, putting him into the media, giving them acting cameos, potentially finding Hollywood parts for Cody. Is it something that they don't see? And if they don't see it, that maybe the WWE are pulling back from it. And maybe the, the finishing the story could be the never ending story by the end of it, which is, which is what we were joking about today, because it does seem like, and, and even if it's not, let's say, for example, okay. Uh, or there might be, or we're, or we're not building towards rock and Roman again, um, which would be crazy now, but, but, but let's say we're not. So Cody goes into WrestleMania again this year, where last year there were people wanted the rock and they didn't get them. There was a rumor released about Austin and Austin and Roman Reigns as well. Then you had Sami Zayn going in as the hottest babyface. So Cody pretty much entered that match as the fourth choice, despite the fact that WWE did everything to reduce the relevance and significance of Sami and really tried to say, "Hey, Cody's the shiny toy, and Sami's like, and Sami's finished now. Like he lost in Montreal." please forget about him, like, start thinking about Cody. And people were like, well, what about the Austin story that Dave Meltzer put out? And what about the the Rock that we've been promised or teased about for a year? So it was a difficult position for Cody. And instead of making a clean route to WrestleMania this year with Cody and, and, the, and the Roman rematch, you now have this tease with the Rock again, Whilst you have LA Knight, who I think will face and lose to Roman prior to WrestleMania, um, the being the hottest babyface on the show. In addition to that, you have these other rumors about CM Punk being available and showing up in Chicago, which is where you have a pay-per-view in two months. And you can absolutely guarantee, I'll bet you, I'll bet my life on it, that there will be CM Punk chance in that building on that mm. pay-per-view. And, and and a and an overriding expectation that he's going to show up, even though um, I imagine that the two parties are pretty far from squashing their beef. But um, the fans are still going to want it, and there's going to be rumours about that all the way up until the show. So essentially, you have Cody as the fourth best option and the fourth most popular option again for the second year in a row. 
that should not be where we're at. But um, based on that, based on that, for I don't see them going with their fourth option for the second year in a row. Um, I think LA Knight will get done before then. And um, I think, I, I truly believe that we'll, we will go with The Rock now at Philadelphia um, because you just, mm. you just can't, you just can't not do it now. I don't know, but I, but I just don't know where that leaves Cody. I don't know where that leaves a wrestler right. with a $3 million a year downside guarantee who came over to be the face of the company who has stupidly gone into press conferences, whether it be through what he was told by the company himself or whether he went into business for himself, I don't know. But he's undermined Seth Rollins' title and has said, that isn't finishing the story. I want Roman's belt. Well, you might not be getting Roman's belt and they might have compensated you by letting you win Seth's belt. And they might have said, oh, hey, like this is what we've decided to do. You're going to be the world champion on this brand. But he already said that he didn't want that title pub- like publicly because WWE mm-hmm. are now doing these um, these press conferences and... And, the, and, these, and these media calls and whatnot, and wrestlers are saying these things, um, which I, I do believe Cody's not that stupid and was probably saying um, what, you know, stuff off the back of what he was promised. But at the same time, um, why do you need to even say that? Because not only if, whether you were promised it or not, you don't need to give people that much information, and it's and it's just it's this whole like thing that started at AEW with these with these press conferences where there's this portion of the wrestling media that are being catered to far too much. They're being given mm-hmm. way too many answers. Had Vince McMahon been solely in charge, there's no fucking way that Cody Rhodes would have given an answer to say, "Yeah, like I, I respect." His answer was something along the lines of, "Yeah, I respect the world heavyweight title. I think it's great that we have two champions, but." When I talk about finishing the story, that's the belt that I want. For me, that almost seems like a a, a spoiler. It, to me, it seems like you're desperately trying to um, carry favour with this wrestling media audience that don't and that don't mean anything. They're meaningless. I always say they're meaningless because their their click and their money is guaranteed. They they they're never leaving. So you don't need to talk to them. Um, yeah, like, and you don't need to give them answers that are as thorough as that that back you into a corner, which is where I think Cody's Cody's at now. Um, I don't know what you what you what you think though. Um, like, oh, I don't, I've never actually even I don't even know what you think of Cody Rhodes. I don't think we've ever discussed him. It's very fascinating, and I think we'll definitely pick that up on my show. I want to dive into that. There's a lot of. Uh... I think there's a lot to unpack and talk about there. Uh, I want to get one final quick take from you as we wrap up. Yeah, folks can listen like I do on Apple Podcasts, click on the try free, get the three weekly bonus shows and exclusive content, and then it's $9.99 a month after that. They can support you that way. That's important. Also, they can follow me on X, a.k.a. Twitter, at It's B-Shep, B-E-S-H-E-P. But I want to get your take. I have to bring this up because Ryan Satan, as I call him, his show out of character, canceled by Fox Sports. What's your take? My take is not the same take that everybody else has out there because I think while they're an entity on Fox, they will continue to... um, 
appease Fox and they will continue to push for Fox's money. Whilst I know that streaming networks are the front runners and I've known and reported it for quite a, couple, for quite a few years because I know that DAZN, Apple and um, all the streaming content, all the streaming networks are desperate for live content. It is the most popular content and the most guaranteed way of, um, of getting an audience. And it's cheap to make. It's not cheap in terms of um, giving the, um, you know, the initial payment that you have to make for it, because obviously you need to buy it. But it's not something where, you know, you need to have mass production and whatnot. It's it's you pay for it and that's it. Like you get the live content. So it's very, very popular. Live is where it's at and everybody wants that live content. So I know that Apple were absolutely desperate for it. And Peacock also want to have all the WWE programming. So um, it would have been a case of obviously Raw being on the USA Network and Peacock having SmackDown as a as a paywall show. And it's not as big a problem anymore where oh, so many homes, so many X number of homes don't get it because Peacock is up to 35 million homes and, um, and yeah, there's a free trial on there and whatnot. And the WWE pay-per-views are drawing the same number of viewers as SmackDown does. So it makes no difference anymore. I think WWE would be happy for SmackDown to go on Peacock. But if they continue to like keep Fox happy and they can put things on there, like put people on there like The Rock and John Cena, then maybe Fox at the last minute are going to come in with a fucking $1.7 billion offer for five years and just blow the shit out of their offer. Like they're not, so it's not a case of what people have reported and then saying we're done with Fox. Like uh, they're, they're leaving, they don't like that, that's they're canceling stuff and whatnot. I think it's this. And people are going to think this is biased, but but it's not. If you really think about it, it's not. Ryan Satin is a loser. Um, Ryan Satin looks like a loser. He talks like a loser. And um, and Dana White has notorious has been notoriously known for kicking these people out of UFC press conferences and getting rid of them. He has streamlined the UFC media and has got multiple geeks out of there, including Ariel Hawani, who he hated, um, who he, he hated Ariel Hawani, and Ariel Hawani, I know he's popular now with the, with the wrestling audience, because he fits in well, he's an upgrade for wrestling media, because he actually looks like a tough guy in this, in this media, um, but in the UFC, he was seen as a, as, a, as a drip, and Dana hated him, and he hated his line of questioning, and the fighters hated him, and they got Ariel Hawani out. So, this is what I think they, they thought. I think they thought that, that Ryan Satin and his show was not a good look for them. And I believe that they want to get away from this kind of markish sort of content. I think there is a better understanding here um, through market research or whatever it may be that we are going to get the fat boys and the virgins and the forever fans and that we have them. And we really need to move towards making this call. I don't think the wrestling is cool. I don't think the man on the street think it's cool. And I think that the guy that they're talking to um, is, is going to do a good job, which is Daniel Cormier. I was one of the ones, one of the first ones to break the story that say that Daniel Cormier was heavily involved in the merger and in, adv in an advisory capacity. He continues to be involved to this day. He's seen as a key part of the merger because of his opinions on wrestling and the fact that he has a number of children of different ages. 
who are being consulted through Daniel Cormier and then relaying this feedback to the UFC side of this deal, who who may not fully have known what they were buying unless it was for Cormier, which is why you see Cormier um, now actually at the press conferences and whatnot, because he's been involved since the start. And I was the only one to tell your people that, but but people you know seem to forget when you're right very quickly. Um, but want to hammer you for saying it was going to be Rock and Roman. So um, I think that's important and I think it's a good choice. And I think when you speak to someone like Cormier and they say, what do you think of this show? I'm, I'm confident that he turned around and said, Ryan Satin's a fucking loser. And he looks like a loser and he sounds like a loser. And this is the kind of shit we need to eliminate. Um, and that should go also for Rosenberg and um, and um, that Sam, whatever his name is, Sam Roberts, Sam Roberts, yeah, and and all of this, all of these people when they went down this direction, I think now um, we we may see them go down a a cooler direction. Maybe fucking hell, fuck. Maybe we get maybe get a, a, a hot girl there. Let's let's watch for a while and and let's see what she has to say. Um, I, I, as I said, this is not this is not factual statement, and also believe it or not, it's not biased. I just think the guy looks like a fucking loser and sounds like a loser, and I can't stand him talking, and I can't stand him like sucking dick every time he's on the show. He just sucks up to all the guests, and all his answers are just blowjobs. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that thought this is a fucking terrible, terrible show. Um, it reminds us of. Ariel Hawani over in UFC, and we hated him as well. Um, that that's my real take. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I have to agree completely. I think he's a scumbag, and he's fallen upwards. And we've talked about this before, so I don't want to repeat myself. But at no loss whatsoever to out of character being canceled. The only ironic thing is calling that show out of character because Ryan Satin has none. So fuck him. And sayonara, bitch. Good luck. Uh, Billy, I want to thank you for having me on the show. I've enjoyed it. We'll definitely do this again. Uh, take us away. Yeah, so it wasn't 35 minutes. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, 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 was, it was genuinely, spoke. I almost feel like if I could be bothered to do any editing ever, I would probably go and take that out. But but I think I think it's actually I think I'll leave it in so people actually understand and appreciate the bonus that we've got. Um, to add to that, um, it's 4:30 a.m. here. Um, I was only up because I was finishing my NFL research for tomorrow, and um, I just happened to catch a message from Brad that basically said, "Are we doing this tonight?" Um, because forget what's our time zones? Are we eight hours apart? You West Coast? Yeah. Or East Coast. East Coast. West Coast as well. East, East Coast. Coast. Yeah. So I mean, even he's doing this at midnight right now. So, but I, I'm doing this at 4:30 a.m. So, so yeah. So um, we, it was intended to be 30 minutes, but we have given you a lot more, and there's a lot more to talk about. We will pick this up. Um, I want to hear what Brad has to say about Cody Rhodes and get into that whole road to WrestleMania thing. What his preference would be, what my preference would be to see how we see that panning out. What more changes do we that we are we going to see? Um, are we going to see all these geeks on the WWE Network fired and their stupid fantasy booking shows? I don't know if you have seen these shows where they fucking fantasy book pay <laughs> historical pay per views and, and Sam Roberts books the books the fixes of 
what would potentially happen if he, he have Andre for Undertaker and that that is so it's so embarrassing that you're you're you have embarrassment that you watch it when you watch them. It's one of those shows. So yeah, I, I want let's see if let's let's see if they potentially do have a, a big clean out. But uh yeah, we'll talk about all of that stuff over on the Brad show. I'll probably be over there in the next two weeks. When I am over there, you'll find out about it here on the show. Uh, follow the Dirty Sheets on X. It is not run by me, but I do see it. Uh, I can't trust myself because I get ca- accounts banned regularly. As often as um, Sean Ross Sapp cheats on his wife, uh, I will get I will get accounts banned. Um, so yeah, it's at Dirty Sheets X. Uh, I am at Lockbang X, and uh, at and Brad is at B Sheep, which is ironic because you guys should definitely not sheep and i think if you're listening to this show and listening to his you are not sheep um that's it for me that's it for brad thanks for listening